0: Thank you for listening to this talk, produced by the Art Gallery of South Australia. I would like to to welcome you all here. Thank you so much for coming in. It's always wonderful to see you here. My name is Tracy Locke and I'm the curator of Australian art. And today I'm going to be speaking to you about this painting here in the centre of the wall. It is a painting by an artist called John Russell and it's titled Coucher de Soleil. Soleil, sorry, Sir Morris Steel. So essentially, sunset at Morris Still. Um, it's always a kind of challenge, really, to talk about John Russell because he was kind of like the the most impressionist of all the Australian impressionists, and sometimes he's regarded as Australia's French impressionist. But actually, he never participated. In Australian Impressionism. He was actually absent from Australia. In fact, he was absent from Australia for 40 years of his career. And in fact, this story today, very brief, really begins in Sydney and it ends in Sydney. But at the heart of the talk, the centre of the talk is really a love story uh, based on the artist's love for his wife and his family, his love for nature, but also his love for painting. As I said to you, he's a kind of a paradox in Australian art. John Russell is really important for really spending most of his career and his life working in France, but really um, being a member of the French avant-garde. And he's kind of really interesting to read about and know about because he was certainly close friends with some of those artists that we know of of being the greatest French artists of all time. And perhaps I'll get to that little little subject uh, shortly. Perhaps I will begin uh, with first of all with his his story uh, and his biography. He was actually as I say he was he was born in Sydney, so 1858, and he was born into a prosperous family. His family were in the iron industry, and they were engineers and manufacturers of iron in Sydney, and they were responsible for forms such as the Piermont Bridge in Darling Harbour and the GPO, so they were kind of big game iron, uh, ran a very big business. Now, when John Russell was born, it was expected that he would take on the family business. And so he went as a young man and he studied to be an engineer in London. And around this time, so 1879, his father passed away quite suddenly. And basically, overnight, he became independently wealthy. He travelled back from London to Australia and he wanted to then he was then of course free to choose whatever career he wanted and he was deeply uh, passionate about becoming an artist so he took himself across firstly to study in London and then into Paris where he was studied at the Atelier Cormon and it is here where he became friends with Toulouse-Lautrec Vincent van Gogh and uh, Emile Benin uh, and he was really at the cut and thrust of really what was happening in Paris at the time. So we're jumping to the 1880s here and in the summer of 1886, he took a break from the art school. In fact, the, the head of the art school actually shut their art school down because some of the students were painting in far too a radical manner. So they had their summer break early and John Russell at this time had developed a relationship with a a beautiful young Italian woman called Mariana and uh, they took themselves off away from Paris in the summer as many artists did and they travelled to an island, a remote island off the coast uh, on the Bay of Biscay on the coast of France, 14 kilometres off the coast. Uh, to an island called Belle Isle, the beautiful island. And so this is 1886, and they hire a home there, and they have a cook. And John Russell spends his time responding to nature and the remoteness of this location. While he's there painting away, he noticed a man across the way from where they're staying on the rocks, someone who looked like he was painting. And of course, it turned out to be what John Russell referred to as the Prince of Impressionism. It was actually Claude Monet. There he was painting on the rocks, and John Russell was absolutely fascinated. They ended up spending about two weeks together painting on Belle Isle and sharing notes, and of course, a lot of the colour theory ideas that Claude Monet was working with at the time really started to transform John Russell's ideas as well. After this experience in 1886, John Russell decided he would build a house and a studio and also a forge on this remote island. And so by 1888, John Russell and his growing family actually went and lived permanently on this island. The island, just for some of you to understand the scale of it, is sort of about a third bigger than our own Hindmarsh Island here in, here in Adelaide. Um, it was about 17 kilometers long and about 9 kilometers wide, but at this time, of course, exceptionally remote. So he bases himself here on Belle Il, it turns out to be, for 20 years of his life. He was very attracted to the island, uh, as was Claude Monet, because the island was really faced the Atlantic Sea. So it was a very rugged, remote location, very isolated. And most of the area on the island was very flattened out, very unremarkable and very featureless, if you like. But what was very characteristic and important and distinctive about the island was it was basically ringed by rocks and rock formations. And this is what became John Russell's fascination and also, of course, Claude Monet's fascination. I have kind of leaped Forward to the location of Belle Ile. But before I go very much further about what it was that was so particularly inspiring about this location, I'd like to tell you a little bit more about the personality of John Russell. I've mentioned to you that he became independently wealthy in 1879 when his father passed away. But he was very tall, apparently, very athletic. He loved boxing, he loved horse riding, but he loved to sail and he was also described as being sort of quite high-handed, quite hot-tempered, moody, but also incredibly generous and you see throughout his life his ability to make friends, many friends and, and be uh, very uh, affable. I had in my mind, my note to self is Steve Irwin type. So if you can imagine a very dynamic individual, that's my mind's eye image of, of John Russell. And there's this fantastic story. When he was living on Belle-Ile, as I said, he made many friends with great artists, including uh, Auguste Rodin. And in fact, he corresponded with Rodin for about 30 years, until Rodin passed away in 1917. But he did manage to cajole Rodin to join him on Belle Isle, and one day took Rodan out in his boat, in his yacht, because being having an engineering background and in his forge on the island, John Russell made his own boats. And he took Rodan out for a sail this day, but unfortunately the keel on the, on the yacht broke off and there are letters written by Rodin describing the absolute terror of nearly losing his life out on this boat with John Russell. So, as I mentioned, he, he does travel. Uh, he meets Claude Monet in 1886. He sets up his home on Belle-Ile, and you can see that this really led to many visitors uh, coming in and, and dropping by. And perhaps I'll very briefly also mention visitors such as Henri Matisse, as a very young man, also visited Belle-Isle, and his studies and interest in using color were transformed through conversations that he had with John Russell. So Russell, you know in the story of, of European art and Australian art, is really quite a critical figure. Uh, for the way he was he was really breaking new ground and and communita- communicating his ideas, so you might say, "Why leave Paris in the summer and retreat to the country regions now this is what all of the avant-garde artists were doing in, in Paris at the time. You remember this is when Georges Auguste Haussmann had transformed Paris into a new urban environment. And this is ex- precisely what the contemporary artists want to escape from. They wanted to have a genuine experience. They wanted to immerse themselves in nature. And that was also the the attraction of Belle-Ile, certainly for Claude Monet, he was tired, he said, of all of the cliché beauty spots and, and tired of all of the tourists. And he said he wanted to really soak up nature and find a very remote location and somewhere where his skills could certainly be tested and he could respond to a new subject. And that's really what Belle Ile is. Is. It was a new subject for Monet, but also an invigorating subject for John Russell. So they were able to escape to these locations to really replenish themselves and refresh themselves. In my in my notes just before speaking with you all here, I found a quote written by Claude Monet about his time on Belle Ile and it will just point us into a direction where I want to go with the talk today. So Claude Monet was writing to his his lover lover Alice at the time and he said I'm in a superbly wild country, a heap of terrible rocks and an improbable sea of colours. At any rate I am preoccupied with it, although having plenty of trouble because I was used to painting the channel and of course had my own routine, you know, my own habits I guess with painting. I had my own routine but the ocean is something completely different. And this is at the crux of the point and the fascination for artists had with Belle because what you have around the coastline is this fantastic collision between the eternally shifting stormy seas, the movement, the fluidity of that ocean hard up against these ancient, immovable, solid geological forms. And that's where the magic happens. That is what is drawing these artists again and again, is to capture the difference how do you convey movement how do you convey a sense of solidity and so this is the challenge that they had optically to do that and of course monet talks about the fact that you need to visit the location your painting location every day and paint it every hour of the day and go back and go back and go back again, repeat your sensory experience of that location. And as I I mentioned at the beginning, of course, this view painted by John Russell is sunset. So again, an important optical in terms of lighting moment of the day where the colors and the shadows, of course, will change. But here he's really captured John Russell has really captured the churning sea and the sea spray and the activities of it. John Russell himself said about Belle Isle, It's the finest coast I have seen. It is inspiring, magnificent. I'm so glad I had the courage to leave Paris. And it was also described by someone as, it seems it is a marvellous place, a completely wild country where a storm is always round the corner and where seas and skies make a drama out of every moment of the day. And in painting Belle Ill, John Russell said, I am a painter of nature, of nature's moods, of sunlight and changing temper of sea. And so we see him picking up this challenge here and, and capturing the sea against the, the, the rocks here. So what we also see him do is throw out the window all previous pictorial conventions so we lose the foreground for a start. And so he basically shows us, we're basically optically plunging straight into the sea here. So we've got an elevated view and what is he doing? He's using almost pure colours. He eradicates. If you look at these two works on this wall here, you'll see the palette and the colours that the artists are using. There is black and there is brown, and they're very, very muted. And the difference between this John Russell here, the boats, but also this one can you see the colour difference in those works? It's transformative. So John Russell is actually using pure colours. He's basing his palette on only nine colours, two reds, two blues, two greens, two yellows and a bit of white. But actually in this painting, I can't find any white, very little white. Have a close look after the talk and study uh, all of the sort of opalescent colours that he's used to capture this scene. It's quite dazzling. So the other thing that you'll notice that he has used, you can even see them right at the back where you're seated. uh, Literally, you can see his brushworks. So you can see the energy and the expression that he's captured here. It is broken brushwork. And this is an outright rejection of everything that had followed in France beforehand where the Salon was wanting... A high, glossy, smooth finish to their paintings, and so this is a basically in-your-face depiction of nature where you absolutely can see every, almost every, every brush stroke. The Australian artist, uh, many Australian artists, also made their way to Belle Isle to visit John Russell, including uh, John Longstaff. And there is a quote I have here by John Longstaff. And he's describing watching John Russell paint on Belle Isle, And he says, "...with the winds of the Atlantic roaring in his ears, working happily upon his canvases like ships in full sail, squeezing his colours straight from the tube and layering, layering them out without any addition of white." So again, this you can have in your imagination seeing John Russell out there in the weather, in the, ri- in the wind, like Claude Monet. There's a, a quote about Claude Monet on Belle Ile that he was out there in a hailstorm. The hail was so bad he bruised his hands. But there they are capturing all of the, the wind and the spray and the effects of, of the changing weather in coloured paint, oxide paint, new paints. Not ochre paints, not earth paints, but new, modern paints. Now, this particular work, you'll, you'll notice it's basically obliterating everything else on the wall. It's so powerful. And in fact, it's one of John Russell's largest works, his lar- one of his largest he ever produced on Belle Hill. But it's also um, the most ambitious. In terms of his technique and its radical nature, you, when you have a look after the talk again, come up and look for the colours, but look for the texture too. You will note the canvas itself is is thick, you know, a, a centimetre thick in places, especially in the foreground. And he's basically sculpted up that cliffs right here, and you can see he's got a palette knife and scraped the paint back and, and got the the end of the handle of his brush and, and cut into it. So he's sculpting the surface. The other thing you will notice when you have a close look at this is it's painted on hessian or jute. Again, this is exactly at the same time what Vincent van Gogh, his friend, also Paul Gauguin are doing. They're painting on jute, something that soaks up the paint and gives a very dry matte appearance again radical for the time we don't, we don't we must remember how radical this is and so you can literally see the weft and wove of this of this hessian here in this painting he's left it bare and he's let that speak through the surface of the work itself so it's dynamic and important for being a large example but John Russell painted his best works on belle Ill and this is a subject, uh, a view of Morris Still. These He produced his best works on belle Ill that were this subject so it's kind of like his, his best, the best best, the top of the pops for Russell's work on um, belle Ill, but also throughout his entire oeuvre. So it's an absolute thrill. For us to have the opportunity to show this work to you. The Art Gallery of South Australia has one John Russell in its collection here, this beautiful uh, antique subject, and, and we're able to display this. This has just returned from the National Gallery of Victoria's She Oaks and Sunlight exhibition, uh, but now with the loan of, of this wonderful work and the loan of the other work of the fishing boats both from uh, different private collections, we can now expand uh, our representation of John Russell's work. We do have some watercolors by him in the collection, but of course they're very fugitive and suffer in the direct sunlight and cannot be on display very often. So it's a thrill to be able to show the full power of his work. I mentioned watercolors because um, John Russell basically packed up overnight ..from Belle-Ile in around 1910, shortly after his beautiful wife, Mariana died. And he uh, left Belle-Ile, left France. Eventually, he remarried in 1912, but he took himself off throughout the continent and around Europe and essentially mostly only worked in watercolour from that time onwards, being more portable, if you like. And uh, he later returned to Australia in 1921 and he died at the age of 72 in 1930 and he died pretty much in obscurity isn't that hard to imagine this artist this sydney born artist who you know literally worked shoulder to shoulder with claude monet matisse van gogh it's, it's astonishing so he kind of fell away from art history for some time there was a little bit more interest about his life in 1938 when some letters surfaced in New York between Van Gogh and John Russell. And so Russell sort of, people started to sniff out, who is this this John Russell? And then an exhibition was staged in London in 1968 and he started to regain some prominence at that time. And certainly I would have to say in the last 10 years or so, with a number of exhibitions that have been staged, certainly in Sydney, uh, his reputation and his contribution uh, to the story of... of really French art but also Australian art is, is now regaining some, um, some notice. So I guess what I would like to say is that in conclusion this wonderful painting here is a fantastic example of the artist working at the height of his powers and he never really regained this intensity in his career, although he continued to paint throughout his life. In fact, his cousin was Thea Proctor. When he returned to Sydney in 1921, she tried to encourage him to exhibit his work. And he he had one very small show with a a camera club and that was kind of it. So this is really showing the artist uh, certainly at the, the height of his powers. He's also, one final point for you, The fact he died in obscurity was also because he was away from Australia for 40 years. Not that dissimilar to our friend over here, Rupert Bunny, who worked overseas for 50 years. Um, But he, because he was independently wealthy, he never had to sell his work. Okay, so in other words, he didn't exhibit his work very much. He didn't depend on it. Sometimes this gave him a crisis of confidence because he was kind of working in his own bubble, working in his own island, uh, in effect. And there's a fantastic quote, which I now have completely lost, (laughs) but it is a quote from Rodin writing to John Russell, really reassuring him about his greatness. And Rodin assures him that one day his work will be recognised as being of the same power and the same strength as their colleagues, uh, Gauguin and Van Gogh and, and Monet. So I think Rodin was, was right, but it, sometimes it takes time for artists to gain uh, recognition, those that slip away. And I think perhaps on, on that point I might conclude my talk but I would very much welcome any questions that that anyone may have about John Russell. I don't know if anyone heard that question, but there was some some suggestion that when he returned to Australia with his second wife that she was not welcomed by the family and this added to his sense of isolation in Sydney. I'm not sure, I don't know. Um, I think that's a kind of not an uncommon thing, let's say. Uh, Family tensions. But I think, I don't know. We, we, we won't know why he, we, he withdrew. Um, he did have, he and Mariana, his first wife. Mariana, by the way, his first Italian wife, was depicted by Rodin. Uh, she was Rodin's model. Uh, at different times, and he also commissioned a bust of her uh, by Rodin. It's very famous and very, very beautiful, and there's a version of it, certainly in the Metropolitan uh, Museum. But they had 12 children together, but they lost six. Uh, And his firstborn, Jeanne, she ended up being uh, the executor of... Russell's estate, looked after her father's work, Firstborn, eldest eldest child and in fact this work here comes from um, her, the provenance of of his daughter. So he had a very big family and a lot of children uh, which also increases the percentage chance of tension in the family, who knows, I don't know. but also I think Australia may not have been ready for his work either. That's another possibility. Um, it was, it's certainly some, looking at something like this in the 1920s in Sydney would have been quite a radical thing. Are there any other questions? Yes, just at the back. Most of the scenes that he did paint, he did paint figures, he did paint portraits. Some of his portraits are superb. But most of the scenes he did paint in uh, on belle Isle were, um, what's the word, with no, no human content. Um, however, he did revisit the canvases. He would paint on the spot, take it back to the studio, but he would revisit the canvases sometimes after many years and retouch and rework. And he describes it as kind of like um, building cobwebs of colour and so building up and dragging and pulling, he describes it, dragging and pulling the paint across the canvas. Um, but whether there are um, figures underneath, I, I do not know. I've got no reference to that, but I would doubt it. What I do have here, I might just circulate for you all, is a, um, an image of the family's home on the island. And um, his yacht um, and to give you a sense of of the ruggedness of, of the landscape but to answer that question I'm not sure. Certainly when I, in my time he was always John Peter Russell, always John Peter Russell. I don't know whether it's to do with this resurgence of scholarship that has been undertaken in Australia uh, and Anne Galbally for example is a, a great John Russell I mean the absolute expert um, but somehow the Peter's dropped, and I, it's a really good question. I, I don't know, Rana. I'm sorry. Um, who knows? Things change. <laughs> yes, that's a really great question too. I don't. I certainly have to, been doing some searches um, on the internet about Bell ill today. It looks as though it's still very remote. And there are sort of advertisements and things like that to visit. But I think its it's distance from the coastline um, means it's not sort of a a highly popular destination. And in terms of other artists visiting Belle Isle, I I do not know of any others. It's not to say that there aren't. So perhaps we will leave it at that. And I'm sorry I couldn't answer all the questions, but thank you so much for coming. Thank you.